morning. Let's all stand up and start worshiping Jesus together. Oh, my name, and I ran out of that grave. 
I'm seeing some familiar faces coming back. I'm excited to see you all. Did you have a good week? Yes? Some yes. Some are like, eh, that's okay. You can have those too. Well, I'm glad you're here. I love being able to look out and see you all. So can you turn to someone and just say hi? If you haven't met them before, welcome them. Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. Oh, his love for me. Who the sun sets free. Oh, is
Thank you for taking us how we are, Jesus. You're so good. Isn't he good? Amen. He's so good. He loves us so much. I can't say that enough. He is just such a good God. Even when things are rough, he still comes through every single time. Last week, we learned a new song. Did you guys remember it? Good God Almighty. Anybody go home singing it? Got stuck in your head? It was stuck in our head all week, <laughs> which is wonderful because it tells who he is. So I want to go over it with those of you that weren't here last week, the chorus of it. Kylie, if you can put the chorus up real quick. It says, good God Almighty, I hope you'll find me praising your name no matter what comes. Because we don't know, right? Anything can come, but we got, we got to just trust that he's good through it. Because I know where I'd be without your mercy. So I keep praising your name at the top of my lungs. So this song, it's okay to sing at the top of your lungs. It doesn't have to be pretty. Jesus says he likes clanging cymbals too, so we're good. Okay? <laughs> All right.
So last week we learned about being different and loving people. Did you say I love you more? Anybody say I love you more? I did. I said I love you more. We ended our staff meeting this week with saying I love you, which is awesome. It's nice to feel loved. It's really wonderful that we got to do that as a whole collective group last week. So hopefully you guys felt a little bit more comfortable looking at somebody and saying I love you. I love you too. <laughs> That's my daughter. She's back. Hasn't been here. <laughs> I'm excited. It's wonderful to have her back. So I just think it's really nice to be able to do that for each other. And remember those people that don't get to hear that too much. I think it's important for us to do that.
Jesus, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for bringing people here today, people we haven't seen for a long time, new faces, familiar new faces. Lord, thank you for bringing them here. Jesus, you've been here this morning. We, we were here, and you were here before us, and we were here early. We got to enjoy you this morning. So, Lord, I pray that you'll come into this place, that your spirit feels welcome here. Father, I pray that we can just set our, all of our stuff from this week, all the busy things we have to do today to get ready for this coming week. Set them aside, Jesus. It's only an hour with you that we have right now. And Lord, we want that time to be well spent. So move our flesh out of the way. And Holy Spirit, come in. Lord, meet that person that's here that's hurting. Meet that person that's lonely. Meet that person that is worried and anxious. And Lord, just calm them down and let them know, I'm here, I got you. I'm good, I can take care of it all. Lord, I just pray that you will just let your word fill us up today because we love you, Lord. We're so thankful that you handle all things. So, Lord, just help us today. Help us as we continue to worship you, Jesus, and to learn about you. In Jesus' name.
thank you for loving us back. Thank you for loving your people so much that you died for us, Lord. We love you and we give you this morning. We give you ourselves, our hearts and our minds and our souls. Take it and teach us and love us. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, morning church I love you <laughs> okay. did you guys have a good week last week who, who enjoyed their coffee that they had with their new friend awesome wonderful last week is a man I was so busy I didn't get to have my coffee with anybody I had just a full schedule so I'll just throw that offer up today if you'd like to come have coffee with me I'll be over here after service just Come see me. I'd love to get to know you. Um, are you guys familiar with Jeremiah 31? Do you know what happens in that, that chapter of that book? It's where God explains to us what the promise is of the new covenant. Somebody call it out. You know what, it, what he says, what he's going to do? He said he's going to write the law in our hearts, right? So that's the new covenant. And then when our Messiah comes, what's he do when he starts to re-explain the law in Matthew, like chapters 5 and 6? You know, we, we have all the law, and it's, it's very black and white criteria, but Jesus comes and says something else. What's he say? Right. Love God and love your neighbor. That sums up everything. It kind of sounds like what Jeremiah was talking about, right, what God said through him. That's our purpose in life, you know, love him and love each other. And so how do you do that? How, how, what are the ways you can say I love you to people? Verbally, right? Sometimes it's, you can do it just by looking in their face, right? Looking and just seeing that they need to talk. So you can be that listening ear, right? Find that person that maybe is in pain or, or is going through something, or is happy. Maybe they just want to tell somebody all the great things that are happening in their life. Um, what you can also do is pray. Pray to God. Let him know you love him, right? Because he wants to hear it too. He loves you, and I, I guarantee he loves you saying it to him. And so Wednesday night, we had that. We had, So we're doing Wednesday nights at 6.30. We have, uh, we'll call it a prayer service, prayer vigil. And we come in here on Wednesday nights and, and pray. And we had 20 people. This is the first time we did it on, on Wednesday. So that was wonderful. Right? It's great. We're just praying for our church, praying for you, and, and all the things happening in the community. So it's just some of the wonderful things happening, you know. And uh, there's other ways to say I love you. You know, you can serve. You can volunteer. Uh, there's lots of things in the community, like I said last week. And even now, we, we need somebody to help out in the audiovisual. Um, we're short on people, and some are going out for some things that they need to do, and so uh, we could always use somebody there. Or in the community, there's there's always people that need help. So if you feel it in your heart that you want to show love by serving too, just come see me after church, and I'll get you hooked up with a, a nonprofit, um, with something in the, with a city, with a church, you name it. I'll help you find something. Just come let me know. But I just want to thank you all for what you're doing, for the love you're sharing, for everything you're 
that, that you, uh, wow, just everything. Thank you. I love you. Uh, if I get the ushers up here. So if we could just bow your heads for a moment. And the way I pray is a little different. What I'm going to do is I'm just going to say some things. I'm going to ask you in your heart to pray for it yourself. But I ask you to, to pray over this offering. Pray over it right now. Thank God for all the blessings in your life. Thank him for this wonderful church. For the wonderful love that he has put in your heart, in your neighbor's heart. Thank him for the opportunity that we all have to share with others and to share what we have in tithes and giving offerings to our Lord. Thank him for everything he does. And I thank you. Dear Lord, I, I thank you for this congregation after your blessings over them. Please protect them and keep them safe in all that you do, Lord. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, hey kids, if you'd like to come on up, actually, and give your offering and then just come on and stay up here because Pastor Matt's got some things he'd like to talk to you about. So if you're, you're young and come on up. First, I think we have an announcement for our kids, and as that announcement's playing, yeah, kids, come on up. I'd like to have you come up here with me. Super Bunny! Hello, WLC kids. Super Bunny here. I am superly excited to tell you about our Easter egg hunt that's coming up on Saturday, April 3rd at 10 a.m. Everything is going to be outside, so you'll want to make sure and dress whatever kind of weather Colorado's going to be giving us that day. Also, for you amazing super volunteers out there, we have some sign-up sheets out in the lobby where you can help out that day. You can give candy and or prizes for the kids to be able to get. So, WLC kids, it's time to get superly prepared for an amazing Easter egg hunt. So make sure and warm up because we're going to get together on April 3rd at 10 a.m. That looks like fun. Yeah, come on up, kids. Okay, if you guys want to look at me. Have you guys heard of, uh, of Zacchaeus before? No? And you're, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you a story about Zacchaeus. Has any moms or dads heard of Zacchaeus out there? Okay, so you can help us along with this. Because um, we're going to sing a song maybe you might be familiar with. But, uh, but we'll get there. So, but Zacchaeus, I'm going to read a story out of the Bible for you. Are you ready? Okay. It says... Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And a man there by the name of Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector, and he was very wealthy. That means he had a lot of money. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but he was short. So he couldn't see over the crowd. But he ran ahead, and he climbed a sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus... You know that story now? Yeah, it's coming back. You remember it now? Good. Well, hold on. There might be, there's more. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. Yes, I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and they began to mutter. You know what mutter means? Yeah, it means complain. You ever complained about things? 
yeah, yeah, and you just kind of grumble, and yeah, sometimes people do that. Well, they were doing this about Jesus, and because he wanted to see Zacchaeus. Well, well, he said the people were muttering, and they were saying, he's going to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up, and he said to the Lord, look, Lord, here now I give all of my possessions, all of my stuff to the poor, and if I have cheated anyone out of anything... I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. What did you hear? What, what do you remember in that story? What, what stood out to you about Zacchaeus? He climbed, he climbed a tree. Yeah. What else? Anything else? He, yes. That's right. Very good. And, and Zacchaeus, why did he climb the tree? Because he was so short that he couldn't see God. He was so short that he couldn't see God. That's right. Sometimes uh, we may have a hard time seeing Jesus in our life. What would you do if Jesus came into this room right now? You don't know? Would you, <laughs> would you say hi? Would you give Jesus a hug? Yeah, that would be, that would be, well, here's the thing that I want to tell you about Jesus with you. It doesn't matter who you are, and sometimes you may feel like because you're just a kid that you're sure and you can't do things or see things that other people can see, but you know what? Jesus sees you, and he loves you, and everything about you, nothing about you is a mistake. Everything about you is the way that God wants it to be. The way you laugh when your mom or your dad may tickle you. Jesus made that about you. Yeah, he loves you. So I want you to know today that no matter who you are, and even your friends and your people that are around you, that sometimes you might want to grumble or mutter about. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's funny. But Jesus loves them too. You knew that, all right? Can we pray before you guys go? And Miss Shelby's going to have something special for you over there, okay? All right. Lord, thank you for this lesson and this time that we've had to learn a little bit about Zacchaeus. We pray, God, that you would just bless these lives. And we pray, Lord, you'll use them mightily in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, this morning, we are all going to learn a little bit more about Zacchaeus. And you probably know the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Yeah. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And when the Savior passed his way, he looked up in the tree, and he said, Hey, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going for your, to your house today. You, you've heard the, the song. You know the story. And we want to keep that story going on, of course, to our kids. But today, I want you to know that it's not, it's not just a story for kids. Sometimes we, we, as, we as adults, we, we think, well, you know, I've heard this story as a kid. That's a great kid story. I'm telling you, it's applicable to you as an adult, very, maybe more so to you as an adult today than ever before. 
we are starting a series between now and t- leading us to Easter called Journeying with Jesus. And today we are going to go with Jesus to a town named Jericho. And I want to ask you as you, uh, as we read that portion of scripture and as you were thinking about Zacchaeus, I want to ask you adults right now, can you see Jesus in your life today? Can you see Jesus in your life today? It may sound like a, a funny question, but, but it's very valid. Can you see Jesus in your life? I met a lot of people who say, I know Jesus, <laughs> but are struggling to see Jesus at times in what they're going through. Sometimes it comes down to what we're looking for in our life. There's a, piece, a priest and a pastor from a local churches in the town, and they were standing by the side of the road, and they were holding up a sign, and that sign said, the end is near, big letters, exclamation point, turn yourself around now before it's too late, the other pastor had in his hands, and, and they planned to hold up those signs as every car passed to try to, you know, help them, and And as cars were passing by, they were yelling out the window, saying things like, leave us alone, you religious nuts. And and the first driver yelled out the window, drove by, and from around the curb, they heard screeching tires and a big splash. And, And one pastor said to the other, do you think that maybe we should just put up a sign that says, bridge out instead? (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's all in what you're looking for. Do you see what has happened? Life has conditioned those drivers and had conditioned them to assume the worst. And sometimes you've probably met people like this where their motto seems to be life stinks and then you die. <laughs> but not for God's people. We understand that the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is what keeps us moving forward. We understand that even when we can't see Jesus, the great thing is that he sees us. And when you wonder where God is in your life, I want you to know this morning that you can rest assured that he knows exactly where you are, no matter when it is. Even when you can't see him, Scripture reveals to us over and over that his eyes are on you. It's easy to get inundated by our schedules and by things that are happening and our ambition and and we can become so consumed by maybe media or or our ambition that we can't, we're struggling to have a hard, and having a hard time seeing Jesus in the midst of it all. So I want to encourage you, be intentional with your time with Jesus. Scripture reminds us when we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. Climb your tree. Seek Jesus first, but know that he has always been watching you. I imagine this week what it would be like if if I I get to see, I look forward to seeing Zacchaeus one day in heaven, and and, and if we get to talk, and that's even something that's a topic of conversation, I wonder what it would be like to say, hey, Zacchaeus, what was it like when you first met Jesus? I mean, tell me what it was that just seemed to draw you in about Jesus. What was going on before you knew that he was coming to town? And I think that kind of it would boil down the three things that he would say to you or me. I think first he would say, well, you know what? Jesus saw me, and Jesus welcomed me, and Jesus changed me. 
and, and, and you know that song because you sung it with me. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Yeah, we all learned it in Sunday school. And Luke 19.5 tells us Zacchaeus, who was, you know, we have to be politically correct, so he was vertically challenged. Um, he climbed in that sycamore tree with low-lying branches to get a glimpse of one called Yeshua. <laughs> and the interesting thing is that Jesus saw Zacchaeus before Zacchaeus saw Jesus. It, before he got to Jer Jericho, Jesus knew that there was going to be a man there. He was going to be in a tree, and he was looking for Zacchaeus. He knew his story. Jesus knew he was a chief tax collector. And by the way, that was one of the worst things that you could be in this community, in the Jewish community. And, 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 and you were, he was basically uh, won a bid to be able to be in charge of all the tax collectors in his region. And, and Rome, just to let you know, they, they just wanted their taxes collected. And the way that the tax collectors would be paid was this. So let's say that the uh, taxes were 10% of your income. Well, then they didn't care how they got that 10%. And the way you would get paid was be to say to them, well, I'm going to charge you 30%. And they would do whatever they had to do to get that money out of you. They would extort. They would you know, uh, punish. They would, they would, whatever it took, they were going to get that money because, number one, they wanted to pay Rome, and number two, they wanted to get paid themselves. Well, imagine this. This is Zacchaeus who was in charge of this group of cronies, and, and they were legal. They could legally do this and extort you. Here he was at the top of the pile, so to speak, and he was taking his money off of the top. So they knew, well, Zacchaeus is going to take some money, so... I'm going to charge three, maybe four times the amount of what the taxes were. So when he takes his, I'm still going to have some left over for me. He was despised by his community. I mean, no friends. No one liked him. He was seen as the worst kind of sinner. And to say that he was hated might even be uh, just, uh, that might be a soft way of putting it. The honest version of that song that we sang together really is this. Zacchaeus was, was a short, rich sinner, and a short, rich sinner was he. <laughs> but in the heart of Zacchaeus, the man behind the mask, something was happening. Something was stirring inside of him. We, we, it's not explicit in the text, but it's implicit there because... Uh, we, we see that he, he realized Jesus was coming, and he took action. He wanted to see this Jesus. He's obviously heard some things about what was going on and things that were happening in the midst of, of this time. It was a big enough deal that in the midst of a huge crowd, he pushed his way through and found his way to somehow see this Jesus. You probably remember Jericho, the town where Jesus was coming into, from another story that happened years and years before. There was a time when Israel had taken, they've subdued Jericho, and they'd taken it over by just walking around 
that town. And it had huge walls. It was a fortified city. And as they walked around, they would praise God. And they did that over and over for seven days until the walls came crumbling down. And here's the amazing thing to me, is that was a physical representation of what was going to happen today in Zacchaeus's heart here. Walls were going to come down once again in Jericho. But today, I think it was a bigger thing than what even happened back then with Israel. I, I, I just have a feeling, it's just me, that Zacchaeus, he knew there were walls in his heart. I mean, he was known in the Bible as a, as a short man he was known in the Bible as this man who, who, who was despised. Obviously, he had walls way up, very fortified in his life. Probably had been making fun of for so long. thought, well, you know what? I'll get back at you all. I'll tax you to death. <laughs> he surely wanted a way out of his condition. He probably got into a place and into an age in his life where he was just thinking, it felt good at first to maybe get even, but this isn't feeling good anymore. I, I have to believe, I just believe in my heart that there was something inside of him that, where he wanted to be accepted. And this passage draws our attention to the ministry of the preparation of the Holy Spirit. We call it provenient grace, meaning that God is at work in people's lives even before you know them. There's someone in your life that you might stumble across their path sometime coming up soon, maybe this week, and you may see a door open where you can share Jesus with that individual. I want you to know that you coming up to them is not the first time that Jesus has been working on them. Jesus already knows who they are. Thank you for coming alongside of the Holy Spirit and working with God to love people right where they are. There were hypocritical religious leaders that were all around. They were in their finest showy garments. They looked really sharp on the outside. And guess what? As soon as Jesus looked up in that tree and he began to speak to Zacchaeus and the words that came out of his mouth were, hey, I want to go to your house today out of all this huge crowd and all these people who were, felt they were so righteous and so religious the first thing that the righteous, the church folks did was what? They, they muttered. I always thought that was a funny word, mutter, you know. <laughs> what, you know I, there was a dog I used to watch and probably can't even show these cartoons anymore. They're probably not politically correct for this, but he was called Muttley. And, uh, you know, I thought, well, the first the time I read that, or, you know, there was mutter, I thought, well, may, I thought of that dog because he always had this weird laugh and he just, anyway, but sorry, I'm going in the wrong direction there. But all that to say is they muttered. They were complaining. They were like, they were not, they were just, you know, here Jesus was doing an amazing work. And what they couldn't see were walls that were greater than Jericho's, the ancient city of Jericho's, were coming down right before their eyes. They couldn't see that God was doing something amazing because they couldn't see past themselves. irony in this story was that the righteous were acting like the sinners <laughs> and the sinners looking for Jesus were acting like the righteous hmm. 
God was at work in the one least suspected of being saved. I, I think this is good for us, for me and for you to remember. God is building his church. He is building his church and he is building his church his own way. I want you to know that right now, that around the world, people are worshiping Jesus Christ. Back in the 1940s, I believe there was something like 950,000 Christians in China. Today, it's estimated that that number is around 92 to 95 million Christians in China. God is building his church. Here's what's happening in Africa. We see that God is you know, taking and just starting things through the Jesus film and Harvest Ministries. There's people flying in and they're showing movies. And there are so many people have been coming to the Lord that the Jesus film project said, we can't count them all. But here's even the more amazing thing. Is as soon as they become Christians, they don't say, hey, uh, is there a discipleship class for me? Hey, is there a, you know, a Sunday school class? Here's what they're doing. They're going to the next village or they're going back home to their village they're getting under a tree and they're like let me tell you about this Jesus that I heard about and guess what God is building his church and he does it his way not mine not yours and it's happening all over the world yes even here in America God is building his church I wonder amen we give God a hand yes I think that it's good for us to remember that. It's God who's going to reveal the sin. It's God who is going to show the need. And I wonder if there is someone here today who may feel like Zacchaeus. I'm not talking about feeling short. (laughs) Maybe that's the case. But maybe you're feeling short on hope. Maybe today you came in and you're feeling short on patience. Maybe today you're feeling short on purpose. Maybe today you're here and you're feeling short on meaning in your life. But somehow you've sensed in the midst of it all that the Lord in some way is drawing you to himself. This story of Zacchaeus reveals to us that Jesus comes to those of us in our time who are in our time of need. It's no accident that Jesus stopped right under that tree. And it even says in Scripture that he, when he was at that spot, that spot right under the tree, he looked up. And I want you to know that the same Lord that came to Zacchaeus is still coming our way. He still comes to the spot where you are where your friends and where your family and where your children and grandchildren are, he's right there in that spot. Through his word and his spirit, he comes to we little men and women like you and me that have found that money and prestige and all the world has to offer is never enough. He comes to you today and he wants you to have a saving relationship and we have to ask, how are we going to respond? There are no sycamore trees, and I'm aware of anyway, around here, but, but that's all right. Jesus still sees you, and he knows he is the one who has been moving your heart. He is the one who has been drawing you to himself throughout your life. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you are. He sees the real you. He sees the guilt. He sees the pain. He sees the hurt. He sees it all, and he wants to come and live in your house 
known as your heart. Now, old Zacchaeus would tell you that Jesus saw me. There's no doubt about that, but he also would tell you that he welcomed me. I'm sure of it. He would say, the Lord came and he welcomed me. He didn't barge in. The Bible says that Jesus is the one who stands at our door and knocks. And he doesn't say that he comes to our door and he kicks it in. Although sometimes we may pray that way. I mean, we we may wish that that would have happened earlier in our life or in someone else's, but but he stands at the door and he knocks. And, and here's the deal, is the whole time he's welcoming Zacchaeus into a relationship. He said, I want to have a relationship with you. And it's what we kind of understand as being a divine hospitality. And let me tell you, there's some of you I'm, I know here who have that gift of divine hospitality. I mean, you, you have people over to your house, or you're, you are welcoming here at church, or whatever. And, but I'm telling you, you realize that it's more than just having dinner. It's about sharing Jesus with people. Last week, I had two visitors come up here up front, and I was so proud of you, church. I mean, one of the things that they said to me right off, this church is just so friendly and so welcoming. We're so glad that we came here to visit this church. I, I hope they're back here this week. I'm not sure, but... Regardless, I'm proud of you because some of you understand what that means, divine hospitality. And that's what Jesus was giving to Zacchaeus. Jesus is never too busy. Even in the midst of his mission, he was never too busy saving the world to stop and save people like Zacchaeus or you or me church can become a lot of interesting things we can see things on the news we can things that maybe we maybe have experienced may we never forget though that the real work of the church is loving sinners like you and me right where they are so that they have an opportunity to see jesus right where they are jesus As soon as Zacchaeus comes out of the tree, he went into the home of this sinner. The worst of the worst, the despised, the hated, he ate with him. Yes, the people muttered. And and, and one wise Christian, he wrote, wrote about this, and he said, In modern times, he said, it is scarcely possible to appreciate the scandal Jesus called by his table fellowship with sinners. In first century Palestinian Judaism, the class system was enforced rigorously. It was legally forbidden to mingle with sinners who were outside the law. And here was Jesus claiming to be the son of God, and he was going straight to the worst of the worst. And here's the thing that you may not have thought about before, but Zacchaeus didn't welcome Jesus into his home. That wasn't how, that wasn't the succession of the story. The Lord welcomed himself into Zacchaeus' home. Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. Now, Zacchaeus had to open the door, but Jesus was coming regardless. (laughs) He came to me, he's come to you, he's here today by his word and by his spirit for all who will have him. And and I ask, is this not the way that we as the church should conduct 
our churches? Is this not the way that we should be loving people? I, I want to be in relationship with you. I don't care who you are. I want a relationship with you. I never forget, I, at a juncture in my life, I, uh, I was working and got a position that's uh, to help with income outside of the church. And, and I was at a place where it was a sales job, and, and I was working in the same department with another guy, and ironically, his name was Matt. And, and Matt was with me, and, and we began to get to know each other, and he was telling me his story. He was, uh, he was gay, and, uh, and, and proudly so, and, and, and he, he was sharing with me all the things that he was going through in his life, all the things that had happened to him in his life, and he didn't know my story. Finally, he asked, he said, oh, what, I mean, he said, I know that this isn't your main thing. What is it that you do? You know, what's your story? And I said, well, I'm, I'm a pastor, and he said, oh, really? He said, I'm a pastor too. And I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. He said, yeah, I'm ordained. I got it online for $15. I said, well, I'm ordained and I went over 100 grand. But anyway, <laughs> maybe you're onto something. No, he's not. <laughs> uh, I... I began to have a relationship with him, and I'm going to tell you that when he first told me that, I would be lying to you if I said I wasn't offended because I was kind of, oh, yeah, you got your $15 degree, and, and you're ordained, uh-huh. And that cynical side of me started to rise up, and then I was reminded by Jesus, I placed Matt right in your path. Are you going to love him right where he's at? And I made the decision, yes, I am. I'm going to love him right where he is at. And so he came to me not long after that conversation. He said, hey, I know you're a pastor. He said, I've never done a wedding before. He said, but I have to do a wedding. And he said, I have these, this gay couple. They're getting married, and no church will do it. Will you help me with that? Oh, I said, well, you know, I am not endorsing in any way. He said, I knew that you would probably say that. I had to pray. I was like, Lord, what are you going, how, how do I handle this situation? Handle it delicately, letting him know, let him know, Matt, I love you and I care about you, but I'm not endorsing this about what you're doing at all. And he began to ask me questions. And I kept constantly going back. Do you know, God ordained marriage. It's not a, just a legal ceremony. And I began to be able to tell him about why we believe that marriage is so special and such a good thing. And then I reminded him that you know, marriage was meant to be between a man and a woman. And I said, and I understand where you're coming at with this, but I want you to know there's something even bigger here than what you are seeing when it comes to marriage. Matt took a couple steps back. He even accused me of being judgmental and those type of things. I, I understood, and, but I didn't quit loving Matt. We disagreed on this one issue and, 
and lots of things that followed, but, but I didn't quit loving math. He would continue to come back to me. And he was most interested in this, because though he would call himself an ordained pastor, he didn't know about the Jesus that I serve. And what he, was intriguing to him in the midst of the time that we had together, and it was a short time that we had together, but the time that we had was this, was that he was drawn to this Jesus who would love him. And he said to me, in the midst of all this, he said, thank you for not rejecting me in the midst of all of this. He said, I know we disagree on things, but you still remain my friend. And he said, and I thoroughly expected that when I asked you for help, that you would just push me aside. I don't know what happened with Matt because I moved on before we continued longer in that relationship. But I can tell you what happened in me. What happened in me was this was that I realized that there's a lot of people and it doesn't have to be just that issue. There's many issues that we all go through. There's the sin of pride and there's the sin of prejudice and there's all kinds of things that people are going through in their life. But I want you to know that Jesus is already working on them. He's already knocking on their heart and he's asking you and me, will you come with me and help me show them the love that I've already given you so that they will want me even more. I'm just crazy enough to believe that the God who saved me of my sin can save anyone of any sin. Uh, and when Zacchaeus realized this worst, worst, worst of sinners, when he realized that there was a Jesus there, this, this amazing man that he'd heard all these stories about, asking him, can I come to your house today? What was his response? Unrestrained joy. When we preach Jesus, when we become his hands and feet to the broken and to the hurting and to the people trapped in their own pain, people trapped in guilt, people are going to begin to just fall out of the trees. Can remember when I gave my heart to Jesus and, and to think that God would welcome me, a sinner like me, into the kingdom with all my pain and all my guilt and all of my past. What a glorious God we serve. I mean, this, this is what a missional church does. We go out to them. We bring them into the house to feast with us. We invite sinners to come, the least of them all even, to feast on the powerful saving grace that is only found in Jesus Christ. And don't worry about your past, your baggage. I mean, here, the Father's going to come. He's going to give you a ring. He's going to put the best clothes on you. He's going he's to kill the, the best cow that he has out there. We're going to have... going to celebrate when the child comes home. Zacchaeus, he would say, yeah, he welcomed me, but I think he also said, would say finally that he changed me. We've all heard that medical research has determined that 
when people, when infants, excuse me, are held and infants are touched, they will develop better emotionally and even physically than those who are left alone. And I think that that's true for all of us. As a matter of fact, sometimes I think that that's the reason why people have been so grumpy through COVID, because nobody's given them a hug. Amen. <laughs> this morning, I was back in the back, and here, I didn't know who it was, but someone come up behind me and grabbed me and gave me a big old hug. I was like, oh my, what happened? What is this strange feeling, a hug, you know? <laughs> and it was Lynn Ronk. She gave me a big old hug, and I was like, oh, thank you, Lynn. It felt so good to get a hug from somebody again. Well, Jesus has a touch, too, that only he can give. <laughs> and he gave it to Zacchaeus, and he changed Zacchaeus. He developed that heart of stone, those huge walls that were way up. He, he, he laid them low. The walls were broke down. His heart became soft. It became attentive to the truth of Jesus Christ. And throughout his powerful public ministry, our Lord's love and compassion for the lost moved him to touch others. I mean, think about all the healing that he did. You know, he would touch them, you know, and he would, he would put his hands on their eyes. He would, he would, he would touch their heart. They would touch their, their whatever that was hurting there. As a leper, he came and touched the lepers, and they were healed. And one of the most powerful forms of ministry that chaplains practice is this powerful ministry called the ministry of presence. There's whole classes on this, the ministry of presence. And it's being there in the places where people live and move and have their being. And it's a ministry that seeks to imitate, imitate the ministry of Jesus Christ. And when, our pres when we are present in the lives of people who need Jesus, it changes the lives of people who are seeking him. And Zacchaeus, we know, was a changed man. As a matter of fact, in Luke 19, 8 of our story, it, it, we see the fruit of his faith. This sinful man, as soon as Jesus enters into his home, this sinful man tells Christ that he's going to give back half of his goods to the poor, and he says he's going to pay back four times what he has stolen. And I'm reminded of James 2.20. You know, we went through James earlier, and in James 2.20, we read these words, faith without works is dead. But I'm going to tell you something we can see in this story, that Zacchaeus came alive. It was a good thing. And what we are witnessing in this passage is the fruit of faith. It's one thing to say, I have faith, but you know, everyone in that crowd that was muttering raised both hands, I've got faith. What is he doing over there? <laughs> Works do not save us, but a transformed heart will begin to produce fruit. Uh, Dr. Richard Seltzer, he wrote a book that's called Mortal Lessons, and it's about learning to deal with what he, what he learned from dealing with people who had just the worst of life situations. And he wrote about this incident where he had to remove a tumor from a young woman's face. She was a beautiful young woman, and, but she developed this tumor, and it was in her jaw area. And he said as he began to uh, dig in there to get the tumor out, he realized he didn't know it beforehand, but he realized he was going to have to take what he called a twig of a nerve out from that so he had to sever the nerve and then he could pull out the whole tumor he saved her life she was fine the tumor was gone it, the cancer was over but as she came from the procedure it left her mouth twisted 
And when she was feeling up to it, she had a conversation with her surgeon, and she said, will my mouth always be like this? Yes. The nervous cut. I'm sorry. She nodded. She was silent. She couldn't look him in the eye. But her husband, he said, I noticed his eyes never left his wife. And he smiled. And in the midst of this very painful conversation, her husband said, I like it. It's kind of cute. <laughs> Dr. Seltzer said that he watched with wonder as her husband bent down and he tried to kind of twist his lips as best he could to match hers and he gave her a big kiss. And he said, see, even our kiss still works. When I think of that young wife, I see this little man named Zacchaeus. His soul is twisted. His heart has been tormented by sin. And when I see that young husband who was kind of twisting his lips to kiss his wife's paralyzed mouth, I see our Savior, Jesus Christ, bending down to meet Zacchaeus. He met him right where he lived. This is not our gospel story. We serve a Jesus that will meet us right where we are. On a dung hill outside of Jerusalem in first century Palestine, Jesus Christ, Son of God, knew no sin, became sin, so that you and I who are sinners might become righteousness through him. He was unblemished, came to be born in a, in a feeding trough, and, and he, was, he was mangled, literally mangled physically to meet us in our mangled spiritual condition. He exposed himself to ridicule and was blasphemed so that we would be saved, even though we were the ones that should be rightfully blasphemed. He came so that we could be called sons and daughters of the Most High. He was forsaken by his Father so that we who was forsaken might be redeemed. I mean, Jesus, Son of God, came to us and bent down and kissed humanity in its mangled condition so that he could be our salvation. I want to ask you this morning, do you need his touch today? Do you need a kiss, so to speak, from the Savior? The truth is, we all do. And even though we may become his children and we, we may accept his forgiveness and accept his salvation, and we may be living in relationship with Christ, I still need a kiss from the Savior. I need that spiritual hug every day. always sees, he always welcomes, and Jesus is still changing lives, church. The story ends with Jesus revealing his mission. He says he came to seek and to save the lost, 
And, and the story of Zacchaeus is the story of us as well. He sees us, he welcomes us, and he changes us. I mean, isn't this how we should present Jesus to others? Isn't this the God of love who came down from heaven so that we can magnify him as our Savior? And when God is lifted up, when Jesus is lifted up, it says he will draw all people unto himself, even Zacchaeus's in our world. And in a world that's so desperately searching for a savior, people, I'm going to tell you, church, they're out on a limb right now. If you didn't know it, the search can lead to materialism, lead to sex and greed and a needle and drunkenness or a drug. And those things never satisfy, but Jesus can always and does always and will always save. We serve a great God, and you are a great church, and we together can see walls come down like we've never seen before. Uh, I want to lift Jesus up to you today, and I want you to lift Jesus up to people that you meet all week long. Because I'm going to tell you that people in our world right now, whether you believe it or not, are looking for a Savior. Jack, or excuse me, Kennedy and I went to an Avengers movie, the last one that came out. Do you remember when you could go to a theater? That was you know, years ago. And we went to one, and, and we watched this movie. It's called Avengers Endgame. And she wanted to see it. We had to go clear. We had to go over an hour and a half because all the theaters were sold out to get to this movie. And, and we got in there, and we sat down. We had our popcorn. We had our drinks, and Kennedy's next to me, and we're getting ready for it. And as we're getting to the show, this guy comes in, and I'm not kidding you. I mean, he looked like he came straight from the Hells Angels. I mean, he had on the chains, his, you know, the, the crazy hair, and he kind of didn't look like he you know, kind of smelled kind of funky. And he was right there in front of us and in and, and leather. And, and I mean, just this big hulk of a man by himself. And he comes in there, and... He sits just in front of us, a little bit, just one chair over to my left. And we're sitting there, and we're watching this movie. And I don't know if you've seen it before, but, you know, all these superheroes, and they're changing the world, you know, according to this movie plot and everything else. But at the very end, Tony Stark, who is known as Iron Man, dies. And I look over at this man who is this hawk of a man. I mean, I'm not kidding you. He, he just looked as tough as nails. And he is literally shaking. And I'm like, what's going on? Because I thought, is he having a convulsion or something? I mean, is there? And no, he was crying. And I'm not talking like a little bit of a whimper. I'm talking he was shaking, crying, tears coming down his eyes. I mean, and here he was. And he was, yeah, I mean, just, I was just like, oh, my goodness. And I'm like, I'm nudging Kennedy. And she's like, I know. You know, <laughs> we're just looking at, you know, we're like, I, what in the world is going on? And here in the midst of that, I mean, I felt it like I just, I know, you know, there's times when Jesus is talking to you. And I felt like Jesus is saying, this world, Matt, is looking for a savior. And this is a counterfeit. And look how it is affecting him. But we have the real thing. You and I have the real thing. When Jesus came into my life, I'm telling you, he changed everything. My walls came down. People that I hated, I didn't hate anymore. Grumbling and muttering that I used to do all that, I didn't do it anymore. I was just, I was changed. I want to lift up Jesus to you. And I'm not going to assume that there aren't some of you right now 
that are not in the sycamore tree this morning. Looking, searching, hoping to maybe catch a glimpse of mercy, catch a glimpse of hope, of saving grace. But I want you to know right now that he is here just like he is present everywhere. But he is here with us, our Savior who came for us, who died in our place, who rose again after three days that you and I might have life. He is here in our midst today. I want to ask you this morning, and I want to just tell you, if you... If you're struggling, I don't care if you've been a Christian for 80 years. I don't care if you're struggling. We all, we're human. We're living in a human existence. Maybe you're having a struggle right now in your heart and in your life. Would you just say, you know what? I know he knows my pain and he knows my guilt and he's welcoming me and I believe he can change me. It's time to come down out of the tree. And let's meet Jesus face to face. He welcomes you to the table of his salvation. And maybe I hope that most, if not all of you, have already gotten your, your cup and, and bread for us to take communion. But if not, I know that there's some back there. But if you want to hold up your hand, if you have not gotten a cup and the bread, I... I I want to ask you to hold it up, and we're going to have some ushers come to you. We, there's some over here. They'll be coming to get that to you. And then our worship team, if you want to come up. Oh, man, they are good. They're right on top of it. Um, I, I'm reminded as I, as I see the cup and this wafer, it's a symbol, but it's a powerful symbol. And the symbol is this, is that the bread... And you got to take, by the way, just that top, that top piece of cellophane. Don't take the purple piece. Take the top piece. Uh, it's clear, or you'll have trouble getting this out later. But that bread, it's, it's a symbol. It's a representation. But here's a representation for you. This is a symbol that Jesus is meeting you right where you are. As a matter of fact, he died on the cross so that and his body was broken for you. It was broken in such a way that when, when he, he, was, he was broken, that it tore down the distance between you and him. Literally, within a temple, the temple veil that was this symbol of you can't get to God, was ripped in half. And, and when that ripped in half, he opened the way for a sinner like me to walk into the holy of holies to get down out of my tree quit looking from a distance so if you would take this this bread and if you would right now just say thank you Jesus for your body that has been broken for me And then I want you to take it, place it on your tongue, and eat it, and give thanks once again. Because not only is this something that happened externally, it's something that happens internally. And then this cup. Don't think that Jesus hasn't understood 
what you're going through. I've seen people sometimes, well-meaning, good Christian people who have talked to others and said, well, I understand what you're going through. And sometimes people just blow up. You, know, you don't understand. And it's true. They probably don't understand exactly. But I'm going to tell you that there is one who does, does understand, and his name is Jesus Christ. And when he was in the garden, he was like, Lord, Father, if there could be any other way, I mean, if there's any other way, because he was so hurt, he was hurting so much, even though he saw you and he, he loves you and he wants, he wants to give you something, he was hurting so much, he was so pressed, it said that that stress just caused his capillaries to burst and he was not only sweating just how we would normally sweat, but there was blood that mixed and mingled with the sweat. And in the midst of that prayer, he says to the Father, if there's any other way, could this cup pass from me? But he knew there was no other way. And today, you're holding symbolically that same cup. Jesus came to shed his blood for you. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. But he gave his heart. He gave his everything. He gave his life. The God of the universe, the one who just spoke us into existence. He bent down and he kissed the mangled humanity. And he died for you and me on the cross. And if you pull this back, you're going to... You're going to see that juice there inside, and it's a representation of the blood that he shed for you. I want you to take and drink and give thanks. Be thankful for how Jesus died for you. This is the work of the church to proclaim this great gospel, to love God, to love others to make disciples. This is the work of the church. This is the ministry of the church. As you go out here and there into the highways and byways of life, welcome them in. Find the Zacchaeuses. They're up in a tree. They're out on a limb. They're trying to grab fruit that has nothing to do with anything good. And yet here you come along. And I want you to know that it's not an accident that God has placed you in people's lives. He's placed you there to see them come to know him I believe in you church you were God's idea you were God's tool and today I want you to be reminded that God changes lives let's sing this final song together
high. You are sons and daughters of the King. And today, as you go out beyond this place, I want you to be like this little girl here. I want you to be dancing in the joy of Jesus as you go from this place this morning. You are dismissed in his great love. I want you to know I would like to get to know you. If you're new here, I'll be over here to the left. There'll be a couple other people up here that will pray for you as well and with you. Um, but as you go, know this, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Stay strong, church. Stay strong. God bless you. Glad you're here today. Give the Lord a hand as you go. You are dismissed.